0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when God, amen. Uh, Before I begin, uh, what I'm going to share here today, just um, it's an honor for me to be here at St. Mary's Church during the famous uh, Nahda time of St. Mary. And it's something that's spoken about worldwide. Everyone knows that St. Mary's Church in East Brunswick, that's the place to be during the Nahda. And even uh, my son was telling me, my son is 16 years old. He was saying, Dad, you're going to speak at this church during St. Mary's. I'm like, yeah. He's like, for those who know, like the NBA, the National Basketball Association, he's like, that's like going to like play in Madison Square Garden, like the big place right there. Like you got to make sure that you're prepared. To... Wasn't really nervous until he told me about that. But um, thank you so much for inviting me and welcoming you right here. It's, it's an honor for me to be here. And as we talk about this fast of St. Mary and the Nahda, so much we love about St. Mary. So much we love about St. Mary. We love to sing about St. Mary, don't we? Especially here in this church, I know you love to sing. We love to praise St. Mary. We love to go around and, and do the Zephyr of St. Mary. We love to talk about St. Mary. We love to read about St. Mary. And these are all great things. But let me ask you a question. Maybe you never thought about this. If you were to ask St. Mary, what do you want us to do with you? What do you want us to do with you? What do you think she'd say? Sing? Sing is good. I'm not saying it's bad. Do you think maybe she'd want us to ask her prayers? Probably. But do you think there's anything more that she would say? What do you think she would say? What do you think God would say? You say, I put for you, I gave you a church name of St. Mary. I put her icon right here, put her icon all around, see pictures all around, see books all around. All you hear about is St. Mary, St. Mary, St. Mary, St. Mary. God, what do you want us to do with St. Mary? What do you think he'd say? I think what he'd say, you're probably saying it under your mask. That's what I'm going to guess is that you're saying it under there, okay? Probably what he would say is, I want you to become like her. Don't you think? I think what St. Mary would say is that it's great to talk about me, it's great to sing about me, it's great to kiss my icon, like those are all great things, but what I really would love is if you were to become like me, do you guys agree with that? And that's what they say is like the ultimate form of flattery is imitation, you may have heard that before. So I think what God wants from us more than anything else during this time, we sing about Saint Mary. We ask her prayers, all those things. I'm not saying we don't do this. We do those things, but we do those with the goal in mind that we don't just sing about her and go home. What did we accomplish then? We don't just talk about her and then go home. The best way to honor her is to become like her. Is to, that's why we sing like the hymn that talks about her virtues and the different virtues that she has. Not just that we can say, you are great, but that we can learn from you. That's why we ask her to pray for us. So I started to think to myself, can we actually become like Saint Mary? Can we actually become like Saint Mary? I think that question is a kind of a tricky question. It's kind of like the question, can we become like Christ? The answer is both yes and no at the same time. Will I ever be Christ? No. But can I become more like him? Yes. Will I ever be Saint Mary? No. I will never uh, uh, have the Son of God inside my tummy. Okay, I'll never, okay, virgin, give, like that's never going to happen ever again. But can I become more like St. Mary? Yes. So we want to make sure that we don't go from one extreme to the other. We don't want to say because we'll never be like her that we can't become more like her. You get me so far? So I started to think to myself, what could we do to become more like St. Mary? She bore Jesus in her womb. She was the pride of our race. She was the pride of all mankind. I think there's something that we can do and that we have an opportunity to do. I think the closest we can become to being like Saint Mary, I think there's an opportunity for us in front of us every single day that we can look at, that we can become more and more like Saint Mary. God has given us an opportunity. Think to yourself, Saint Mary, we call her the Theotokos. Theotokos means what? It means mother of God, but it doesn't it, what it means literally, okay, theos and tokos. Theos, tokos. Theos means God. Tokos means the one who carried in her womb. Okay, so it doesn't mean like, 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 um, like mommy. It doesn't mean like mommy. It means like the one who bore in her womb, which means obviously only your mother would carry you in her womb. So it means that she is the one who carried Christ, God, in the flesh inside her, inside her here. She carried God inside her here. She carried God where? Inside her here. She carried God where? Inside her here. Let's think about it. Is there ever an opportunity where we could carry God inside us here? And you automatically think to yourself, yes. Let me show you a quote from one of the famous church fathers, St. John Chrysostom. And listen to what he says. Speaking about, he's speaking about communion, but he's telling us what communion really is. He says, when we receive communion, we receive within us the same body of our Lord Christ that was born in the manger of Bethlehem, the same body that walked on the Sea of Galilee, the same body that was crucified on Calvary, the same body that was resurrected from the tomb, the same body that ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father. There is no power in life greater than this. There is no power in life greater than this. I think that there are many things in life that we take for granted, especially the more and more we do something, the more likely we are to take it for granted. Something that we do every day, okay, like the little things that we do every day, we take it for granted. And I think one of the most things that we take for granted is the opportunity that we, as St. John is saying right here, would carry the same body of Christ that walked on the water, the same body that healed the sick, the same body that was born in the manger, that we would carry that same body and you have an opportunity every time we come here to church together, whether on Sunday, or I know you here, you guys pray liturgy every day probably, we have an opportunity to carry inside us the body of Christ himself. What I want to talk about today is God within us. Because I think when we attend the liturgy and we receive communion, I think it's an opportunity that we often take for granted. It's something great, as St. John says right here, no power in life greater than this. But I think the key to going from the theoretical to the practical, the theoretical meaning what Saint John says about this body and blood and then marrying that to what I experience every Sunday or Monday or Tuesday whenever I come to church. I think the key is understanding so we don't take for granted because there's nothing worse in life than when you have something precious and valuable and you don't realize its value. Would you agree? When you have something precious and valuable and you don't see its value. Once upon a time, there was a lady who had three sons. This lady had a husband and three sons, and her husband died. So she was a widow, she had only her three sons. And ever since her husband died, she was sad, and she was in mourning, and nobody could cheer her up. So her sons decided, we need to help mom out. And we need to get something for mom, we need to do something for mom, we need to pick up her spirits. So they said, we all, let's think of what it is we can do for mom. So the first son said, I know what I'm gonna get mom. I'm gonna buy mom a new house. Because mom lives in that old house with all the memories of dad. I'm gonna get her a new house. And he went out and he found a beautiful piece of land and he built an expensive house, house worth $5 million, okay, huge house, okay, where it's got like uh, the, 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 the big bathrooms and the, the, the showers with the jets that come from here and the here and the here and all around you, okay, and the garage and everything. The best house ever spent $5 million. This was gonna make mom happy. Second brother said so you don't know anything about mom mom doesn't care about a house mom likes to go and see her friends but the problem is mom is old and she can't drive so i know what i'm gonna get mom i'm gonna get mom a limousine a fancy schmancy limousine that's comfortable that she can rest okay because she's got back issues and it's gonna have a little refrigerator inside because you know mom likes to have snacks everywhere she goes and likes to fill her refrigerators because she's a mom and i'm gonna get it even with a driver so that all mom needs to do is tell him where to go and it's gonna take her there and this other son spent like $250,000 on this limousine and this car and is very, very fancy with the driver. Third son said, guys, you don't know mom at all. Mom doesn't care about car, doesn't care about house. Mom is spiritual. Mom wants to read the Bible, but as she's getting older, her eyes are starting to be, she's having trouble reading the Bible. So what this son did, he found something very nice. He went out and found a parrot. You know what a parrot is? He found a parrot. A parrot that can recite the entire Bible. A parrot that was raised like by missionaries in like the Himalayan mountains or in the desert of whatever it is, and they taught the thing. So you told the parrot, you say Matthew chapter 29, verse 6, and the parrot would recite it. So this parrot could repeat the entire Bible for the mom. Mom's going to love this. All three gave the gifts to the mom. They came back, okay, a month later. And they said, Mom, how you doing? First son came and said, did you enjoy the house? And the mom said, oh, it was so nice of you to get it, but it was so big. And I kept getting lost, okay? And I didn't know where anything was. So I found some guy in the street, and he gave me 1,000 bucks, so I gave him the house. The son said, what? You spent $5 million, you just gave it away for 1,000 bucks? Eh. Second son said, mom, did you like the card that I got you? And she said, oh, it was nice, but the driver was just so rude, and the car was so big, and I dropped my glasses, and I couldn't find where the glasses are. So it was just more of a pain than anything else. So I found some guy in the street. He gave me 50 bucks, and I gave him the car with the driver. And said, oh my goodness, how could you do that? Third son came. He said, mom, did you like the parrot? Mom said, I loved it. He said, really? You love the parrot? She said, I loved it. It made me so happy. That was the best. And the son said, really, 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 I'm so glad because I'm so glad that you enjoyed the parrot. Put a smile on your face. She said, I love the parrot. It was delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is worse than something very valuable that is wasted. Agree? Nothing is worse than something that someone paid a lot of money for and has tremendous value that we waste because we don't realize the value that's in it. I want to show you a verse from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. It says, he, meaning Christ, put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is, like sometimes we say, I'm not against this, I'm not saying it's wrong, but just stick with me here. Sometimes we say that Christ died, rose from the dead, and now is in heaven. Okay, we say Christ is now in heaven. And I'm not saying that's wrong, of course. Christ ascended to the heaven, sits at the right hand of his father. But what I'm saying is it's wrong to say that Christ isn't on earth anymore. Because Christ is on earth. Because what this verse says right here is that we as the church are his body, and if where we are, the church is, Christ is. Because you can't have a head separated from the body. Just like you can't, like if we were to say here's a church and there's no connection to Christ, no. And we can't say Christ with no connection to the church. Because the head has to be connected to the body, the body has to be connected to the head. So what that means is, is the same way that we look at the body of Christ, the physical body of Christ, okay, like his human, like his body, his actual body. And we see the fullness of divinity, 100% God, but in human form. That's what we see, right? We see Christ The God, okay, the the fullness of God in human form. Well, did you know that the church is the same way? That the church is the fullness of God, but in human form. Which means that I look around right here, and I see human people. And I see people who are sinful, and I see people who make mistakes, and I see people who fall, and I see people who sin. But I know that in the midst of this, of this this humanity all around, I know the fullness of him who fills all in all. Think of it this way. Okay, what is the relationship between God and the church and us? Think about a tree. This is what Jesus said. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Okay, we each one of us are the branches and the branches only power and the branches only benefit is when it's connected to the tree, to the stem. Okay, you have the roots coming from the ground, then you have the stem and when it's connected to the stem, it is the tree. It's disconnected, it's nothing. But the tree, And the branches are one. Well, it's the same thing with the church. Every single church, every single individual church, okay, like this church here, St. Mary's, my church, St. Timothy's, whatever church down the street, every individual church is like a branch. And when it's connected to the tree, the fullness of the entire tree resides in it. So you have a big church. Other people have a small church. Some people have a church that uh, is is in in a basement. Some people have a church that's on top of a mountain. Some people have a church that speaks English. Some people have a church that speaks Japanese. Every single church, think of it another way. Think of the body, the bread, okay, that becomes the body of Christ. What is that bread? It's one piece of bread that's divided into many different pieces. And what happens if you have one small piece, one small piece of that bread, just a very, very small piece, very small piece. We would say that that small piece, that tiny piece, contains the fullness of God in that small piece. That's why if a piece falls on the floor, what do we do? Call 911. Okay, everyone get out of the way and we push people out and watch out, a piece fell because that piece is the fullness of God. We would never think to ourselves that you know what, that person, you know, got a big piece, so they got like more God, that person got a little piece. One time someone told me that as I was uh, giving them communion, okay, I was, was busy Sunday with a small piece and he said, I don't remember the word, it was like, or something like that, okay, something like that. Does that mean give me a big piece or something like that? He said, give me a big piece. And I was like, buddy, it doesn't matter the size, okay, it's not like you got a small piece like you got a fingernail of Jesus and that person got a big piece, they got like a thumb. It's not like that. Well, it's the same thing with the church, small church, big church, medium church, every church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's why. I'm not saying when we pray at home is not important. When we pray at home is very important. But what I'm saying is when we pray together on Sunday, all together, there's something powerful. And you know how you can see that? If you look in the book of Revelation, when you look at heaven, what's heaven gonna look like? St. John says, then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom And strength and glory and strength and honor and glory and blessing in other words when we get to heaven what are you gonna see you're not gonna see each one by himself you're not gonna see one in the corner like reading his Bible and another one over there standing and praying like this what you're gonna see when you get to heaven kind of like we see right now in the church is all of us together one voice praising one voice singing one voice worshiping and it's when we are together united together that there is great power in our midst there is great Power in our midst. But, let's go to the but, oftentimes I'm afraid we don't realize that power. I talk about great power in the liturgy and you look at me and say which liturgy are you attending? Because liturgy I'm attending, I don't know what you're talking about. Liturgy I'm attending is long, it's boring, it's hot, sweaty, okay there's kids running back and forth back and forth and I don't even know why the mom is right here and the dad's there but the kid somehow is left and right and left and right and why is it and how is it that we can see the liturgy as something here on paper but sometimes our experience doesn't match it I'll give you an example when I was younger I think I was in like I think I was in high school we took a, a trip with my family to Jerusalem in the Holy Land and we saw like all the sites. I was like a 15, 16 year old kid. And I'll be honest, I didn't get much out of that trip. I was a 15, 16 year old kid. Like I didn't really care about the history and like my parents were like, look at this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Honestly, to be truthful, I was more excited just to watch cable TV in a foreign country than I was to go see any of the sites, okay? I didn't get the most out of that trip. Now looking back on it, me and my wife always talk about, wouldn't it be great to go to the Holy Land, wouldn't it be great to see where Christ okay like gave the Sermon on the mountain to sit there wouldn't it be great to see the Jordan River where Christ like wouldn't it be great now I look at it and say wow I would love to see that but when I was there I said this is boring let me ask you a question did the Holy Land change significantly from when I went 20 years, 20 years ago high school, 30 years ago whatever it was did it change 30 years ago to today is it any different no who changed? Me. When you look at church, and I say to you, liturgy, there's no power in life greater than this. And I say to you, communion is the same body. And I tell you that there's nothing more powerful than when we gather together around the table of the Lord. And you say, Father Anthony, that sounds great, but when I come, I don't experience that. Then I would say to you, don't be offended. I would say to you, if my experience in the liturgy is not transformational, Maybe the problem isn't the liturgy. Maybe it's, maybe it's me. Just like maybe the problem wasn't the Holy Land. I remember also when I was young, I wasn't that into church when I was young. And I remember when I was in college, I went away to school and I would come back for Holy Week. And I remember I would do anything in my power, kids don't do this, okay? But I remember I would do anything in my power to delay coming home for Holy Week as long as possible. Because Holy Week back then to me just meant long, long, boring, hot, Somehow there was never air conditioned working. Okay, it was just to me. It was just like I did anything to avoid it. Now, exact opposite. Now I'm the guy when they're like, Abuna, it's been a long time. I'm like, no clocks on Good Friday. Throw away the clock. Hey, no, no clock. We stay in here till. Did Holy Week services change? No. But what difference is is that I changed, and I think the same is true on Sundays. And what I would like to talk about for a few moments here. I think maybe the problem isn't with the liturgy. Maybe the problem is with me. Because if I say that the church is the fullness of him who fills all in all, and I tell you that there's power in here and the power of Christ, and I tell you it's the same, like would anyone say, if I told you that you're going to meet Jesus himself on Sunday morning, and you're going to meet him, and you're going to have a one-on-one interaction with him, would anyone think that they're going to come back the same way that they left? I think the same should be every Sunday, and every time we gather around the table of the Lord, and I think if we're not there, maybe the problem has more to do with us. So I want to tell you, very practically, very quickly, three things that I think that we can do to invest more in getting more out of the liturgy. To be able to get, like we said, like Saint Mary, God within her, okay, that we have God within us, three things that we can do. And I'll give you one analogy, and then I'll give you three examples of it. Think of, what I think the answer is, I think The liturgy ultimately comes down to the investment that we put into it. Think of back like when people used to mine for gold, okay, like back in like the gold rush in the the 40s in here, in, in America. If I tell you there's gold on this mountain, and you say to yourself, okay, this is great, and you just show up, and you stand with your hand like this, are you gonna get any gold? You're just gonna show up and, is the gold gonna like jump off the mountain into your pocket? The people who found gold are the people who did what? Rolled up their sleeves, got the, the, the shovel and the ax and thing, and they sweat and they put in work. And I think the same is true with the liturgy. I think one of the reasons why, if we're honest, the reason why we get very little out of the liturgy is because we put very little in. We think we're just going to show up. We think that the pews, once I'm in the pews, the pews should give me the benefit. Or we think that if we just show up at a certain time, then all of a sudden, it'll jump from the screen, it'll come inside me. That's not how it works. One of the things that I will say, especially when it comes to communion, is that be careful. Even though we all take the same thing when it comes to communion, we do not all receive the same thing. You know that, right? We take the same thing, but we don't receive the same thing. Because think about it, if there's two people who are standing here in line for communion, and one of them is praying, is repenting, has spent all week and their belief and their faith and they're coming and they're receiving. And the person after them is coming the whole time looking at their watch and thinking about what they're going to be for lunch. I'm telling you they may both take the same bread, they both drink the same uh, uh, chalice, but I'm telling you is that each one is going to walk out with something different. Kind of like when I stand up here and preach, I'm going to say the same words and everyone's going to hear it the same way. But what happens on the inside is based on the individual person and what they bring to the table. So I want to tell you three things. Let's make the assumption right now. Okay, just stick with me here. Let's make the assumption that the liturgy truly is heaven on earth, that the liturgy truly is, which we say, one of the prayers, that which angels desire to behold, we have right here. That truly the liturgy is the intersection of heaven on this earth. And if I'm not experiencing it, let's ask ourselves what I can do to address that. And I'll tell you three things. And the three things will work very simply. It's what you can do before you come what you can do while you're here, and what you can do after you leave. So before, during, and after. Make sense? Let's start with before. Before you show up at church, I say it's the three R's. The three R's are what? Read, rest, repent. Say it with me. Say read, rest, repent. Let's start first with read. One of the easiest things that you can do to start benefiting more from liturgy immediately the easiest thing that you can do, if you know like finance terms, you heard the term return on investment, okay? And you want something where you invest little and get a lot, read the readings of the church before you come. It'll take you four minutes to do, and it can have a tremendous benefit to you when you show up to the church for liturgy. Imagine I were to, you were to go home today, and you get an email from not just your boss, not your boss's boss, you get an email from the CEO of your company. You work at whatever company, the CEO sends you an email saying, I wanna have a meeting with you tomorrow, eight o'clock in the morning. And he says, attached to this email, there's a document with the agenda for the meeting. Raise your hand if you're going to open up that attachment. Okay, very good. If you didn't raise your hand, you can raise your hand to the next question. Raise your hand if you're not gonna have a job the next day, that would be you. Because if the CEO takes the time to send you an email, invite you to a meeting, tell you this is what I wanna talk about, you're gonna double click the icon. Like, duck, and there you go, and you get to see exactly what he wants to talk about. Well, I'm telling you that the King of Kings invites you every day to his house. And did you know there's an agenda? Did you know that? That there's like, hey, here's what we're gonna talk about today. And do you know it's completely different than the day before? Did you know that? Because every Sunday that we come to church, someone says the liturgy is the same every week. It's the same every week. I don't know which liturgy you're attending. Because for me, it's not the same. Because one week we come, we talk about Levi. Now Jesus said to him, follow me. And it's the call to leave all to follow him. And the week before that, we're talking about loving your enemies. And the week before that, we're talking about repentance. And the week before that, we're talking about Lazarus. So I don't know what the same liturgy you're talking about. Because everyone I go has a different agenda. And especially these days, like, come on. I'm going to be the old guy in the room right here. Like, come on. It is so easy to know the readings in advance. You just have to, the app is even free. Like, I understand when the app cost money, but now it's free. They made it free since COVID. You know, when we were kids, we didn't have an app. We had that calendar. You know the calendar, okay, with the thing, and you have to rip off. And sometimes there was a duplicate, and some days were missing. And you have to do mathematics to get it. Like, it was so complicated. Just open the app. All you need to know is the date. If you can figure out the date, you can figure out the readings. It's so easy. And I'm telling you. It's a game changer in addition to read the readings i'll tell you something else to do is understand the rites of the church that are going to take place so it's not just the readings it's like the hymns and some of the rituals that take place and i'm telling you knowing them in advance sets the mood let's say i tell you i invite you to a party or not a party i invite you to my house i invite you okay i'm father anthony i invite you to my house for an anniversary for an anniversary, you're coming for an anniversary to my house. Would you agree that you're going to prepare differently and walk in differently and mindset differently if it's an anniversary of a wedding or an anniversary of a death? You don't want to confuse those two. Because you're thinking, wedding, so you're coming in with balloons. Congratulations. And it's a wedding, it's a death, or vice versa. Well, I'm telling you it's the same thing. The hymns of the church tell us hey, today we're coming, I have sinned, I have sinned, my Lord Jesus, forgive me. Or today we're coming and saying, today our mouths are filled with joy. And I'm telling you, you're walking in a church completely different. So the first thing I want to say is read. Do the readings. It's so easy. It's so easy. Number two is rest. And when I say rest, how can God touch your heart if your eyes can't stay open? And sometimes it's the simple things. And sometimes what we do on Saturday night make a huge impact on what we benefit on Sunday morning and you know this to be true if I tell you think of anything you've ever done important in the morning I guarantee you if it was important it changed how you behave the night before and our church in its wisdom teaches us this because we as human beings you know this you have to know this about yourself we as human beings do not deal well with sudden changes we don't if we're going to exercise our body needs to warm up And if you don't warm up, especially when you get to the older ages, you will experience what happens when you don't warm up. We need to ease into things. And the church tells us the same thing. So before you come on Sunday, church tells us, start on Saturday. So on Saturday night, we have a Vesper service. We have time for praises. And then go home and get some rest. And I'm telling you, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do in life is go to bed early. The most spiritual thing you can do in life is go to bed early and come to church fresh on a Sunday morning. So read, rest, and the last one is repent. Repent is easy. Read, rest, and repent, by the way, is the whole person. Read is so that I am mentally prepared. Rest, so that I am physically prepared. Repent, so that I am spiritually prepared. The whole person, okay, my whole person. I'm received God, my whole person. The reason why this is important is because as soon as you come to church, especially the earlier you come, the more you'll notice it, the one expression that we repeat A billion times every time we celebrate the liturgy is what three words that we repeat a billion times and it is Lord have mercy mercy. let me ask you a question if you haven't spent any time repenting this past week you haven't spent any time examining yourself and looking inside when you say Lord have mercy what are you asking for mercy for if you just show up and you say well I'm just gonna say Lord have mercy because it's on the screen that's not how it was meant to be We're saying, Lord, have mercy, and we're repenting and saying, God, forgive us, because we have a repentant heart. So this is the first thing that you can do, the easiest thing. Before you show up to church, you read, you rest, you repent. Number two, during church, actively participate. One thing that I hope we never say, but I know sometimes we say it, but I know we may not mean it, but just let's remove this from our vocabulary, is I'm attending liturgy. Don't say I'm attending liturgy. You attend a movie, you attend a show. Don't attend liturgy, we pray a liturgy. Okay, liturgy means, okay, the Greek word for liturgy, you know what it means, it means the blank of the people. The what of the people? The work of the people. So liturgy is supposed to be work. And when we come here together, like I said, there's supposed to be some sweat. We're supposed to leave here tired because we put in some work. In the book of Acts chapter 12, we see the first time That the church was facing like a major persecution and what had happened was they had captured Peter and James. James they killed him. Peter was in prison and was about to be killed next and I want to to show you what it says right here when Peter was in prison awaiting death. It says Peter was therefore kept in prison but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Then we know a miracle happens. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying rise quickly and his chains fell off his hands. Let me ask you a question. When the church gathered together to pray right here, how many of you think the church gathered together to pray? Do you think that maybe St. Um, uh, John was in the corner like, okay, you guys start over there, I'm gonna be over here and I'm gonna be just doing my own thing. And then um, you know, maybe Thomas was over there and Thomas was kind of sleepy, so Thomas was you know, uh, getting some rest. And then you had Andrew over here and Andrew was you know, catching up on his emails or whatever it may be. I picture them praying. And I picture every single one of them participating. I don't picture any one of them saying and says, okay, you guys handle this. I'll be in no 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 no. When we come to church for the liturgy, when it's time to pray, that's the first thing the priest says. You know when the priest says Ishleel. You know what Ishleel means? What does it mean? Let us pray. Let's go. Let's pray. That's what he's saying. It's you. Let's go. It's time to pray. You in the back. Just like when the Buddha said, close the door over here. You sit down, have a seat. It's time to pray. And then the deacon, okay, the deacon's always the tough guy. Okay, the priest is the nice guy. He says, let's pray, guys. The deacon's always the mean guy. And the deacon says, stand up for prayer. You over there, get up. You. Stand up for prayer. Okay, the deacon's always shouts out orders. Look towards the east. Okay? He'd let us attend. Wake up. That's what the deacon always shouting out orders, okay? It's the deacon's role. It's a good, it's a good job. It's very role. Okay. Because the priest don't like to be the bad guy. Okay, so we give it to the deacon. Okay. That's why we need a good deacon. So when we come to church, it's not, it's not OK. You know, there's, it's not the deacons are singing. There's no such thing as the deacons are singing. It's we are singing. There's no such thing as they're doing this. No, 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 no. We come together. We're focused. We're united together. All of them were praying together for one purpose, for Peter to be freed from the prison. And all of us together, when we say pray for the peace of the church, we all pray for the peace of the church. When it says we pray for the catechumens, we all pray for the catechumens. When it says we pray for the priests, we all pray for the priests, the bishop, the pope, whatever it may be. We're united together. We're actively participating, not just active, not just inactive and passive bystanders. I'll show you a nice verse. Tell you why that's important. Matthew 18:19 says, again I say to you, that if two of you agree on anything, agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. God may ignore me when I say, God, forgive us our sins. God may ignore me, but I promise you, he will not ignore us. God may ignore me if I say, let Peter go from prison, but I promise you, God will not ignore us when we gather together in one spirit and one body and one mind and actively participate. That gets us to the third one at all times. So before we read, rest, we print. During, we actively participate. And the last one, which you may not think about, but I'll tell you the secret sauce, the key to unlocking the power of God in our churches and in our lives is this, is striving for unity. I'm a dad, I have two kids, one 16, one 14. Let me tell you the rules of the house. We are, we're not a very complicated house. We're a very simple house. There's basically two rules. Everything comes down to two rules. The two rules are honor your parents, love your sibling. That's all the rules. If my kids honor their parents, especially their mother, okay, honor your mother, honor me too, but you know the dad is more, more conservative. Honor your parents, love your sibling, everything will be fine. And I'm telling you, the same is true in the house of God here. God wants us to honor Him and obey Him and worship Him and glorify Him and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second commandment, just like it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm telling you, if you don't do this, you're not going to be able to do this, but just as important, if you're not doing this, then you're not doing this, because if I'm saying to you, honoring me means loving your sibling, and you you don't love your sibling, and you're not united with your sibling, then you're not honoring me. You can't keep one commander without the other, and I'm telling you that oftentimes, the weakness in our spiritual lives, the weakness in our liturgical experience comes from a lack of unity with the rest of the body of Christ. Let's say my two children. Let's say I come home from this trip. Okay, my kids are like, Dad, we miss you. We want to spend time with you. And let's say my son says, okay, Dad, let's go, uh, let's go to Sweet Frog. Okay, me and him, we like go to the Sweet Frog. We get the, the, the yogurt thing. Okay, let's go to our place. Let's go to Sweet Frog. Let's catch up and let's talk and it's going to be great. And I'm like, okay, that'll be fun. Michael, let's do that. And then my daughter Lizzie comes. Me and her place is the smoothie place. Him is the ice cream. She's the smoothie. She says, let's go to the smoothie place, Dad, and let's talk and let's catch up. I'm like, oh, this would be great, this would be great. And then he says, okay, but I don't want her to come. And she says, okay, but I don't want him to come. And say, Dad, I want you to come, but don't bring her. And she, I don't want her, and I don't want her next to me, and I don't want him, and I don't want him. What am I going to do as a dad? Am I going to go for ice cream? Or am I going to go for a smoothie? Which one am I going to go for? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sit down on the ground and eat whatever's in the fridge. I'm not going to go with either one of you. Yeah, I'm not gonna Because if you're not united together, I'm not going to choose. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the Holy Spirit sometimes, maybe, Holy Spirit, we need you over here. But don't go over there, because we're not with them. No, 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 they did, or they did. But we need you over here. And they're like, well, we need you over here. You know what the Holy Spirit's going to (laughs) say? Have a seat. You you do whatever you want to do. I'm going to have a seat right here. Because the Holy Spirit is one. God is one. God cannot be divided. So when we are divided, we limit the power of God in our lives and in our church. Let me show you some verses from the book of Acts. We all know what in the book of Acts how they were so powerful. Well, it's very clear. Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts 2.1, the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place. Acts 4.24, when they had heard it, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Like, can you imagine, can anybody imagine that the disciples in the book of Acts and they would be like, you know, um, no, I don't want to sit there. No, don't sit there. I want to sit there. Or, you no, know, no, because I don't want her to sit. I don't want him to sit there. And no, no, no. And, 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 and uh, it was my turn to cast out the demon. And why did you cast out It was my turn. You can't imagine that. You can't imagine that. Maybe there's a power in unity that we're not aware of. That's why one of the most important parts of the liturgy, one of the most important parts is the kiss of peace. And don't tell me COVID or no COVID, okay? I don't care. I don't care how we do the kiss of peace. This came up at the beginning, like, and what are we going to do in the COVID and the kiss of peace? I'm like, it doesn't matter how we do it, okay? How we do it has changed many times. Like, it's called a kiss of peace because they used to actually kiss, okay? Like the the two-cheeker thing. Okay, it used to be that, and then we said that's weird, so we did like this. And some people think that's weird, so we do the, Some churches do a handshake, some maybe. I don't care. The, the issue isn't the, like, the, the, the logistics or the mechanics of it. The issue is that when I'm standing in this place and I'm received the body and blood of Christ, I must be united to every single person who is here and even those who are not here. No grudges, no enemies, no none of that stuff. So what I'm saying is now, we don't do kiss, I don't know what you do in your church, but I'm saying in my church, we don't do actual kiss of peace. But we said, we look around, and we do like this, and we do like this, like the Holy Week thing. Like our church was perfectly positioned because during Holy Week, we're taught, okay, this thing, okay? So we kiss of peace and the unity is critical for our ability to unite with God. Because if there's one bread, and that bread is Christ, and I'm gonna take from that one bread, and you're gonna take from that one bread, then you know what? If you're united to Christ and I'm united to Christ, remember in math class, if A equals B and B equals C, then A has to equal C. And if I attempt to unite with Christ, and you're united with Christ, and we're not united with each other, something isn't right in the equation. That's why I want to show you a passage up on the screen that hopefully you read every single morning before you leave the house in the first hour of the Igbeya. And I want you to read this not as a Bible verse. Don't read this as a Bible verse. Read this as St. Paul standing here in our midst today and saying this from the bottom of his heart. he starts with, I urge you. I urge you means like, 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 uh, okay? You wouldn't ask me if I could throw some Arabic in there. There you go, it's That's all the Arabic I got, okay? Or Rabbina. okay? There you go, right? whatever, okay? That's what I urge you means. Listen to what he's saying and listen carefully. I'm not gonna explain it His words speak for itself. I urge you, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Again, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace because there's only one body, only one spirit, not many. One body. If there was two bodies, you have a body, you have a body, you don't need to talk to each other. But there's only one. And as long as there's only one body, then we have to be one. And there's only one spirit. If there was multiple spirits, okay, you take one Holy Spirit, you take a different Holy Spirit, I'll have one, we don't need to ever talk to each other. But because there's one body, there's one spirit, there's one Christ, then we must be one if we're going to receive the power there. So with that, again, I'll just, I'll leave this point but I'll leave you to wrestle with it. Each one needs to take a look in the mirror and say, where am I when it comes to the unity of the body of Christ? Am I someone who brings unity or am I someone who brings division? Am I someone who helps build bridges and connect people and and, and reach out? Or am I someone who's the opposite, that I end up pushing people away, maybe never to their face, because I'm a good person, but maybe behind the scenes. And I'll tell you one more thing about this. I started to think to myself you know who's most susceptible to being a cause of division in the church who's most susceptible to it the longer you have been in church the more likely you are to be a cause of division not unity sorry but i'm telling you from experience it's never the new guy who just joins the church who brings division it's never the new guy it's never the guy who just came in and is fresh and and it's never The longer you have been in church, the more likely you are. I'm saying we all do this. There's no judgment right here. The more likely you are to walk into a church and think to yourself, okay, I would have done it this way, but that's okay. They can do this. I would have done that. Okay, but she can do that. I would have said this. Like the more you've been in the church, the longer you've served, the longer you've been a part of it, the more likely you are to walk in, see someone else doing something, and think to yourself, I would have done it better. And we don't need that here in the body of Christ last verse book of Acts when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken that's what we need and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul this is how we were made to live this is what we were made to experience is when we are together and we are united just as we pray in the liturgy make us worthy to be what one body, one spirit. Okay, that may be one body, one spirit. That's what we pray during the liturgy. We're together and we're united. Then God can work. We gotta do our part. We gotta come prepared. So before we come to liturgy, we're gonna do the three R's. What are the three R's Again, gonna remember? They are read, rest, and repent. Then when we come, we're gonna come to attend liturgy, right? No, we're not gonna attend. We attend we sorry, we actively participate. We sweat. We should come home from church tired. We should come home from church hungry. Like if you ask my wife how much food I eat on a Sunday. I come home from church at three o'clock, four o'clock, whatever it may be, and I, my wife makes me a huge plate. I sit down, eat the whole plate. Half hour later, I say to her, when's dinner? OK, because I'm starving because there's work that's supposed to be taking place on Sunday. And if we do that, then I think, back to the quote I re- showed you at the beginning, I think we'll experience this. I'll read it for you one last time before we finish. We receive within us the same body of our Lord Christ that was born in a manger of Bethlehem. We receive the same body that walked on the Sea of Galilee, the same body that was crucified on Calvary, the same body that was resurrected from the tomb, the same body that ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father. There's no power in life greater than this. I pray that unlike the lady in the story I told you, that when we have something precious in front of us, we wouldn't waste it, we wouldn't squander it, we wouldn't throw it away for something cheap, we would get the fullness of what God intended to give to us in this sacrament and then like Saint Mary carried God inside her then we can carry God inside us as well. Glory be to God forever. Amen.